Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Merry Christmas. And Glenn Leverance. That's how I know. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. Good morning and welcome back to the final hour of Morning Air. We can continue to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year on this memorial of the most holy name of Jesus. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverens and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. It's great to be with you for our first live broadcast of the new year here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. As you know by now, and we talked about it extensively last hour, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, one of the world's greatest theologians and the first pope to retire in almost 600 years, died this past Saturday at the age of 95. We're going to have much more on the life and legacy of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI in a moment. But uh, we uh, continue uh, this morning uh, talking about the horrific news that Buffalo Bill safety uh, Damar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest following a hit in Monday night's game against the Cincinnati Bengals, causing him to collapse on the field. I want to bring in our morning air team, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, uh, what is the latest on the condition of uh, Damar Hamlin? Uh, Bill Safety, DeMar Hamlin, remains in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Hospital in Cincinnati, where he's been since last night. Uh, his heart stopped on the field after a huge hit. He was the one making the tackle, actually, on a, a return. Uh, he got up uh, immediately after the play and then immediately collapsed once again, and uh, his heart had stopped on the field. Uh, CPR given for a very long time. They got him into an ambulance and got him over to the hospital, and so he continues to remain in critical condition, but but uh, for those who saw it live or saw the highlights, uh, the entire stadium and the announcing crew, uh, both uh, on the field and in the studios, uh, in shock uh, at uh, what had just happened, basically seeing someone uh, die on the field and be brought back to life. Yeah, we had uh, Lisa Salter. She was on the ground for ESPN, and this is what she had to say. We've grown accustomed to it, seeing guys take hard hits, uh, see them stay down for a little while, get back up, give the thumbs up, and... And that's all we were all hoping for. And when that didn't happen, I think this entire stadium was just devastated. Yeah, I'm sure it was very hard for everybody who was there to kind of keep their wits about them with everything that was going on. And a lot of it just unknown, not knowing what was happening and not sure what to say or or how to say it. But uh, it seemed like that, you know, everybody getting on the field and praying Sometimes when you don't have words, that's the best thing that you can do. So it was really um, heartening just to see that, to see everybody come together and to pray. It didn't matter what side of the field you were rooting for. They were all coming together, just like we should, uh, for a brother in Christ who is injured and is going through a really scary time right now. It was really a scary time, uh, not only for the players on the field uh, who knelt down and prayed uh, from both teams, from both uh, the Bills and the Bengals, but also uh, the uh, tens of thousands of fans in the stands. I understand that you could literally hear a pin drop. It was quiet in that stadium for uh, quite some time. And um, we uh, obviously continue uh, to pray uh, for uh, Damar Hamlin's full recovery. We pray for his family, for his friends, uh, all his teammates, and everybody affected by this just uh, horrific uh, event that unfolded uh, before our nation last night. 
I think brought a lot of people, uh, you know, putting sports into focus. It's great entertainment. People take it very seriously as well. But uh, suddenly when it becomes life and death, it's a whole different matter. Uh, announcers covering that were about speechless. Uh, they got to see some things the TV audience didn't before everything was thoroughly explained. And uh, you could tell the players were shook. I mean, to see uh, grown men crying, a whole bunch of them, uh, you know, that it was very serious. And, uh, you know, I think anyone... Covering that, imagining also his family in the stands, uh, you know, his mother getting called out of the stands to come down and uh, reportedly uh, join the ambulance ride to the hospital as well. Imagine, you know, you're in the stands. We've all cheered for our kids doing various things, uh, whether it be a, a theater event or a sporting event. You're cheering for your kids and, and to see them, you know, on the field laying down, getting CPR for a very long time. It took about a half hour after the incident before the ambulance uh, moved away and about another half hour before they called off the game for good. No word, of course, yet on what will happen with uh, resuming that game that stopped about five minutes into the into the first quarter and um, I understand that three million dollars were raised overnight uh, for uh, Damar's uh, charity yeah he had a charity trying to raise money uh, to provide uh, gifts for uh, the less fortunate over the holidays and uh, before the game the goal was twenty five thousand dollars about halfway there and uh, just looking for a, a place to show support uh, and that's an amazing amount uh, pledged now up to three million dollars obviously uh, the, the other big uh, story that we're keeping an eye on is uh, the passing of pope emeritus benedict the 16th love to get your your thoughts uh, glenn and uh, also uh, what is the latest well, we'd heard on uh, on Wednesday, uh, Pope Francis actually announcing uh, that uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict was not in, in great shape, had taken a, a turn for the worse, so we kind of kept a close eye on that the rest of the week. He passed at 9.34 last Saturday, Rome time, in the morning, and uh, currently his body lying in states. Uh, the funeral set with Pope Francis to provide on Thursday at the Vatican. Our Rome correspondent, Ashley Narona, joined us in the past hour, and she talked about what it was like uh, being right next to him lying in states. On Sunday, the Feast of Mary, the Mother of God, I had the opportunity to go to Pope Benedict's private chapel there in his monastery where he lived and to spend about a half an hour just in, in silent prayer there with his remains just a, a foot from his feet. It was an experience like no other. As I walked in, I didn't quite know how I'd feel or what to expect. But there was such a peace in the room and that came over me. And I really felt like I was breathing sacred air. And it, it was really something to see him. Uh, his, you could see his hands were quite gnarled. His, his face had a bit of a purplish tinge to it. He definitely was suffering. And uh, he, he wore red. You know, he's wearing a red vestment, which is the traditional burial color of popes. And he also had an alb on that had little flourishes that looked to me like chaffs of wheat, which I thought was obviously wonderful Eucharistic symbolism that he would be so happy to to be wearing. Oh, some wonderful on-the-spot reporting from Ashley there. It really was. And Glenn, what a blessing and what a privilege for our very own Rome correspondent, Ashley Narona, to be able to spend some quiet time in prayer uh, with the Holy Father and be able to say goodbye privately. Uh, meanwhile, uh, tens of thousands uh, of, of folks have come from all over the world to uh, uh, pay their respects uh, as the Holy Father, uh, Pope Benedict XVI, uh, lies in state uh, for the next few days. 
Absolutely. I love how you had the opportunity, too, in the last hour to, to share how on your honeymoon you got to see and, and shake hands with Pope Benedict XVI. How did that come about? Yeah, that was such an incredible blessing that we were able to go to uh, the Wednesday audience right at during our honeymoon, literally th- three days after we got married. And uh, we had it all planned out with some connections to the Vatican to be in the front row and Holy Father's face smiling from ear to ear at my wife, uh, Cindy, is a moment I will never forget. Uh, just an incredible privilege for me to, to be able to get my rosary blessed again after I had it blessed by John Paul II, uh, by um, His Holiness uh, Pope Benedict at that time. And also, uh, a little bit later that year, along with my good buddy uh, Drew Mariani, uh, flying uh, to Cologne, Germany for World Youth Day and covering uh, that event, uh, the Pope Benedict's first uh, return uh, to Germany in front of uh, a million-plus young people. So great, great memories, and we'll be talking more about it here uh, in the upcoming days uh, as we get ready for uh, the funeral. All right, Glenn, uh, Sarah, as always, uh, great to be with uh, both of you. And we always start, always in prayer, every single hour, always giving thanks to our uh, Lord for all the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. And we continue to pray for the repose of the soul of Pope Benedict. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Now, as we've been talking about since uh, yesterday, January 2nd, the body of Pope Emeritus uh, Benedict XVI has been lying in state in St. Peter's Basilica at the Vatican with tens of thousands of the faithful waiting for hours to pay their respects. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI's funeral will be celebrated by Pope Francis on Thursday coming up January the 5th in St. Peter's Square. Joseph Ratzinger was ordained a priest in 1951. The future Pope Benedict XVI contributed to the Catholic Church long before he was elected to the papacy, first as a young theological advisor at the Second Vatican Council, and then as the head of the Vatican's doctrinal office under uh, Pope St. John Paul II. Pope Benedict XVI will be remembered as a theologian, as a priest. He'll be remembered as a bishop, and especially as a teacher with his many prolific writings on our Lord Jesus Christ that always defended the traditional teachings of the Catholic Church. The pontificate of Pope Benedict XVI began on Tuesday evening, April 19, 2005. It was a historic and electrifying moment seen around the world on live television as a sea of humanity with flags waving from all corners of the world waited in anticipation for the 264th successor of St. Peter in St. Peter's Square. Shortly after white smoke appeared from the Sistine Chapel and the bells of St. Peter's began to ring, the Cardinal Protodeacon Jorge Cardinal Medina made the announcement in dramatic fashion. Annuncio vobis 
Gaudium Magnum. I announce to you a great joy. Abemus Papam. We have a Pope. After 17 days of mourning for Pope John Paul II and the first papal conclave of the millennium, which lasted less than two days, 78-year-old Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger ascended to the throne of St. Peter, taking the name Pope Benedict XVI, becoming the first German pope in nearly a thousand years. The new Holy Father, dressed in his papal vestments, stepped onto the balcony of St. Peter's Basilica amidst cheers of Viva il Papa and greeted the city of Rome and the world, raising his hands to the cheering crowd. Cari fratelli e sorelle, dear brothers and sisters, dopo il grande Papa Giovanni Paolo II, after our great Pope John Paul II, i signori cardinali hanno eletto me un semplice umile lavoratore nella vigna del Signore. Pope Benedict XVI continued in the footsteps of Pope John Paul II and at 78 years old was the oldest to become Pope in more than a century. He was also the first German pontiff since Victor II in the 11th century. Pope Benedict XVI was also a man of great faith, a career world-class theologian who continued the teachings of the Second Vatican Council and was a strong defender of the Catholic faith. Just before his election, the Holy Father warned of the dictatorship of relativism during his homily to open the papal conclave. On May 9, 2005, Pope Benedict announced that he had waived the five-year rule to begin the beatification process for Pope John Paul II. His first visit outside of Rome would be to Bari in the southeast of Italy at the International Eucharistic Congress to celebrate the Year of the Eucharist. Pope Benedict XVI set the tone of his papacy early in his first 100 days by meeting with Muslim and Jewish leaders, showing that the ecumenical focus emphasized by John Paul II would continue. Pope Benedict XVI took center stage in August of 2005 at World Youth Day in Cologne, Germany, where he made his first international trip, as well as his much-anticipated homecoming to his native Germany, over 1.2 million young people gathered to see the Vicar of Christ. The body and blood of Christ are given to us so that we ourselves will be transformed in our turn. We are to become the body of Christ, his own flesh and blood. In January of 2006, Pope Benedict promulgated his first encyclical called Deus Caritas Est, God is Love. Later that September, the Holy Father delivered the now famous Regensburg Address entitled Faith, Reason, and the University. The controversy the speech caused led to violence and vandalism around the Muslim world. I spoke on the relationship, relationship between faith and reason. I included a quotation on the relationship between religion and violence, this quotation, unfortunately, was misunderstood. In no way did I wish to make my own the words of the medieval emperor. I wish to explain that not religion and violence, but religion and reason go together. In late 2006, 
unprecedented security measures protected the Holy Father during a trip to Turkey. Pope Benedict XVI also revived a number of traditions, including elevating the Tridentine Mass to a more prominent position when he issued the motu proprio letter Sumorum Pontificum. And in November of 2007, the Holy Father promulgated the encyclical Space Salvi on the virtue of hope. In April of 2008, during his visit to the United States, Pope Benedict was received at the White House on his 81st birthday. He would meet with sex abuse victims from the Boston Archdiocese, address the United Nations General Assembly, visited Ground Zero, and celebrated Mass at Nationals Park and Yankee Stadium. In June of 2008, the Holy Father opened the Year of St. Paul with Vespers at Rome's Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls. And in July, Pope Benedict visited Australia to participate in World Youth Day. He made a historic full apology for child sex abuse during a Mass with over 3,400 on hand. In March of 2009, the Holy Father announced that a year for priests would be celebrated. And in July of that year, Pope Benedict issued his third encyclical called Caritas in Veritate on problems related to global development. In January of 2010, the Holy Father visited the synagogue of Rome. And in March of 2012, Pope Benedict traveled to Cuba for a three-day visit. 14 years after Pope John Paul II went to Cuba. On December 3, 2012, the Holy Father's Twitter account goes live in seven languages and would eventually have over a million followers. On February 11, 2013, Pope Benedict XVI announced that on February 28th, he would resign as Supreme Pontiff due to his advanced age and deteriorating health, becoming the first Pope to resign since Gregory XII in 1415. The Vatican also announced that a conclave would be convened shortly thereafter to elect a new Pope. On January 13, 2020, Pope Emeritus Benedict published a book expressing his view that the church must maintain its discipline of clerical celibacy in light of ongoing debate on that issue. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI became the longest-lived pope on September 4, 2020 at 93 years, 141 days, surpassing the age of Pope Leo XIII. During his nearly eight-year papacy, Pope Benedict XVI traveled to 19 countries, wrote three encyclicals, 21 apostolic letters, two apostolic exhortations, and seven apostolic constitutions. Pope Benedict XVI will always be remembered for his teachings and his prolific writings that always defended traditional Catholic doctrine and values. Pope Benedict XVI died on Saturday, this past Saturday, December 31st, 2022, at the age of 95. May he rest in peace. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI's body will continue to lie in state for public viewing at St. Peter's Basilica before his funeral service on Thursday. We need to take a short break. When Morning Air continues, we'll have more on the life and legacy of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI and the holy name of Jesus that we are remembering and celebrating today with Martha Fernandez Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLoved.com. So stay with us as Morning Air continues here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Stay tuned for more of Morning Air. 
bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance and Sarah Tafoya. It is good to be with you here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Thanks so much for joining us on this first Tuesday of the new year on the memorial of the most holy name of Jesus. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from Philippians 2, 10, and 11. The Apostle St. Paul writes, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the month of January, and especially today, the church honors the holy name of Jesus. There is power in the holy name of Jesus. In fact, the name of Jesus is the shortest and the easiest and most powerful of prayers. Our blessed Lord himself solemnly said that whatever we ask the Father in his name, we shall receive it, provided that it be for his glory and for the good of our soul. And so every single time that we say the holy name of Jesus with reverence and love and proper intention, we've given great glory to God and obtain for ourselves untold graces. And we always pray with great confidence that prayer from the Chapel of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. And now let's talk about love. Prepared to close a year and celebrate the beginning of the new year, our beloved Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI closed his eyes to this world and entered into eternal life. What can we learn from this great Pope about love? Our resident loveologist and love evangelizer, Martha Fernandez Sardina, will share some thoughts on Pope Benedict XVI as a lover of God and of man. Martha is an international bilingual uh, speaker, the former director for evangelization for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. and San Antonio. She's also the founder of RememberYouAreLoved.com. Good morning, Martha. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you here at the start of the new year. Good morning and Merry Christmas until the very end on the 9th of January and happy Feast of the Holy Name of Jesus, the name above every other name. And Happy New Year. Thank you, Martha. Well, you know, I think it's so appropriate uh, that on this uh, feast of the most holy name of Jesus, uh, we reflect, and that's what we've been doing from the beginning uh, of our show here this morning, uh, on the uh, the life and the legacy of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, someone who was so Christocentric. Uh, for him, it was all about Jesus Christ. It was all about faith in Christ, uh, faith in his church. Uh, just a, a tremendous uh, teacher, theologian. There's so much we can talk about. I'd love to get your thoughts on the passing of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Well, you say well, and you did uh, right before this segment here. He, he's, a, he's a man uh, who's left a great legacy. So I like millions and millions of people and moved to Thanksgiving and gratitude for his life and his legacy. Even though there's some sadness, of course, at his departure, but there's great joy at the, at the fact that he had a long and a rich life and the fact that he is, we hope and pray, receiving at last his eternal reward. Uh, so I believe that in many ways, they're, uh, for better, for worse, uh, for better, if people do uh, decide to drink from this fountain of, of, of rich wisdom that he left behind, uh, or for worse, if the media or other manipulators decide to uh, deride him and divide us. Uh, and trash his theological insights and his pastoral care. 
uh, the flock of Christ. So I'm grateful. I'm praying uh, for him and I'm asking him to pray for us if he is now in the presence of our Lord. And uh, I pray that his uh, legacy is not forgotten, but rediscovered by many people worldwide, especially young people who, uh, who don't know him that well. And, uh, and that we all grow in our appreciation for the Catholic faith uh, that he so richly lived and explained to us. Now, I know that uh, over the years, uh, you got an opportunity to uh, to see and to meet uh, St. Uh, Pope John Paul II uh, numerous times, but did you ever get a chance to get up close and meet uh, Pope Benedict? Uh, yes and no. I, I never greeted him personally like I did John Paul II, but I did cross paths with him. Actually, I was remembering uh, earlier today, uh, the very first time was on my second trip, for uh, many I've taken to Rome 10 or 15 times, uh, and he was still Cardinal Ratzinger, and I was approaching uh, St. Peter's Piazza, and he was approaching his office at the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, and we exchanged a, a friendly buongiorno as we passed each other, and then I stopped and turned around, and I thought, oh my gosh, that's Cardinal Ratzinger, whose books I had read, and uh, he was much taller than I thought. And then I had the privilege, uh, several years later, uh, to celebrate all of Holy Week in the Vatican uh, in April of 2010. And I was actually staying in the Vatican, literally. I was staying at Casa Santa Marta, where the uh, present Pope resides. And so I saw Pope Benedict XVI numerous times close up uh, because I went to um, all the Holy Week, the Easter Triduum, uh, or the or the uh, yeah all the Easter Triduum, Paschal Triduum celebrations uh, in the uh, in the Vatican. So I went to Holy uh, Thursday Chrismal Mass at St. Peter's, at Holy Thursday Mass of the Lord's Supper at uh, St. John Lateran, uh, the Good Friday celebration of the Lord's Passion in the Basilica of St. Peter, uh, Good Friday Way of the Cross at the Colosseum, uh, and the Great Holy uh, Saturday Easter Vigil in St. Peter's Basilica, and then of course on Sunday. Uh, the uh, Mass, and the Orbi at Orbi message and blessing. And I was seated uh, with a number of people right there underneath the uh, central loggia from which the Pope gives that great blessing to the world. So uh, I, um, I had that opportunity uh, to meet the man that, uh, whose thought I had come in contact with, uh, this great theologian that he was, as I myself studied and pursued my Master's in Theology. And uh, at the time I had read Introduction to Christianity and uh, later the Ratzinger Report, which I recommend uh, to everyone, along with his many encyclicals and exhortations and homilies and speeches. Well, I have two of his encyclicals, uh, Space Salvi and Deus Caritas, As God is Love, right here in studio with me. Uh, Space Salvi uh, with Pope Benedict on the cover of that beautiful encyclical. Uh, he was just a, a, a world-class theologian, maybe one of the greatest theologians of the 20th century, per perhaps a future doctor of the church. Uh, there is so much that we can talk about with uh, with Pope Benedict, uh, but uh, you know, I was I thought of you, Martha, actually, when uh, according to his longtime personal secretary and confidant, Archbishop uh, George um, Gaswine, uh, the last words on the lips of uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth were, "Jesus, I love you." Mm. What does that tell you about the love and the passion that this successor of Peter uh, had for our Lord? Well, that's a way to go, literally way to go out of this world and into eternity with those words, with that profession of faith and of love on your lips. Uh, so it comes as no surprise because uh, he was a man who was fully in love with Jesus Christ, with our Lord and Savior, and a man fully in love with his neighbor, whether people, some people believe that or not. 
And uh, it, it, it's, it comes as a great encouragement to each one of us and, and an invitation to have always in our hearts and on our lips the sweet, holy name of Jesus, which we celebrate today in a special way during this Christmas season. And so Pope Benedict demonstrates there with his dying breath that he knew Jesus personally and that he loved him dearly. And that all of us, all of us are invited to do the same, to know the Lord. And that's why he kept inviting us repeatedly. Uh, when he was Joseph Ratzinger, you know, the man who became Pope, he was a man in love with Jesus Christ. He chose Christ at a very young age, that same Christ who had chosen him and his brother, uh, Georg, to be set aside as a priest. And they both responded fully to that. And later, Joseph, as a bishop and a cardinal and as a Pope, committed his life to love Christ and to make Christ loved by others, to be known by others and loved and followed and served. And so uh, Pope Benedict spoke beautifully about that. You just mentioned one of the beautiful letters that he wrote on love, Deus Caritas Es, which is on Christian love, in which he opens precisely with those beautiful words of St. John, the beloved, the evangelist, that God is love. And then, of course, he wrote uh, Caritas in Veritate. So he, and he spoke about the love of God and this Jesus, this holy name of Jesus that he loved and honored and revered, now we see until his dying breath, he spoke about him numerous times repeatedly uh, and showed that love in everything he did. And I think that's an example to follow, John. Another thing uh, was his clarity. Pope Benedict was a clear teacher. He really was a professor pope, as some described him. Uh, and one of the things that he was passionate about was uh, relativism, something that he talked about, uh, especially in his later years for decades, um, uh, the dangers of relativism, what, it, what it's doing to our culture, what it's doing to uh, our society, the media, uh, seminaries. He really, in many ways, was a prophet uh, warning us about uh, relativism. Yes, he spoke of the dictatorship of relativism at that um, uh, mass for the funeral of John Paul II. I believe that's uh, one place in which he spoke about it very clearly. And he uh, spoke about the danger of separating a truth from love, which is a problem that a lot of people nowadays, too often, too many people uh, be believe and behave and speak as if love and truth were opposed, as, as, uh, as if um, you can love people uh, without any concern for the truth. Or uh, the other extreme would be that you're always presenting truth, always presenting truth uh, without love. But the relativism is the first one that you're talking about, where a lot of times we make it our truth and quotes, right? Um, it's, it's my idea, the way I look at things, and, and we water down everything in such a manner that we strip our uh, conception of the world and our conception of man, meaning uh, male and female. Uh, we we, we, we uh, take out the truth revealed by God, and we fall into this relativism where anything goes, and that's not something that Pope Benedict would have supported, quite the opposite. Well, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI um, wrote a lot. Uh, he wrote three encyclicals uh, that we alluded to here, 21 apostolic letters, two apostolic exhortations, seven apostolic constitutions, and numerous books. Um, what, uh, what impressed you the most about his writings? Well, precisely as we were just saying, you know, this, this emphasis on the beauty of the love of God, the living love of God, the life-giving love of God, which is the true revelation of God to mankind. And, and so the fact that they go together, and as he said, that we, uh, he warned us not to be tossed about 
by the waves and the trends of fashion and the latest novelty. He said that uh, we should uh, pursue a deep friendship with Christ, which opens us up to all that is good and gives us a criterion, he said, by which to distinguish the true from the false and deceit from truth. And isn't that all the more important today when we see people presenting falsehood as truth and deceiving us into believing falsehood, which uh, is, that takes us away from truth. And so he spoke about that. And, and yet he also uh, told us that love and truth are inseparable because he said, quote, love without truth would be blind and truth without love would be like a clanging symbol. So, so we need to uh, make sure that in taking in his writings, uh, including, like I mentioned, uh, Caritas uh, in Veritate and many others, that we tie the two together, that we present Caritas in Veritate, love in truth, and Veritas in Caritate, truth in love, which are words that St. Uh, Paul, the great evangelist, uh, spoke himself. So uh, Pope Benedict XVI, even when he was uh, Cardinal Ratzinger and Bishop and Priest uh, Joseph Ratzinger, uh, invited us and, and to defend the truth and to articulate it uh, with humility and conviction um, as something that is crucial, essential, indispensable uh, in our evangelization, but an indispensable form of charity which is not opposed uh, at all to love. So um, I love uh, Deus Caritas Es, where he speaks about that. I love when he speaks about the splendor of the holy face of Jesus and the grandeur of the holy name of Jesus, which is the name above every other name, without which there is no salvation, as St. Paul uh, uh, tells us, as, as St. Peter tells us in Acts uh, of the Apostles. And uh, that great name of Jesus, which saves us. And I think that's what his papacy was all about, bringing each one of us to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord so that we, John, might live like Pope Benedict lived, committed completely, devoted completely to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And hopefully like him, one day on our deathbed, from our lips, say our last words on earth, Jesus, I love you. So much that we can learn from the example of our beloved, uh, now late, uh, Holy Father, uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, uh, um, a man of prayer. In fact, Pope Francis uh, said uh, that uh, Pope Benedict was a very gentle man who uh, led a prayer of a life of prayer, uh, especially, uh, and of silence in his final years. So uh, I really appreciate you being with us uh, here this morning, uh, Martha. There's so much that we can talk about, and we'll be continue to talk about uh, Pope Benedict here in the next few days as we honor him in anticipation of the funeral, which uh, will be presided by His Holiness uh, Pope Francis on Thursday. Thanks so much, Martha. It's a pleasure to be a blessing to be with you and to each one of you. Remember, you are loved. And so are you. Martha Fernandez Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLoved.com. We need to take a short break. When Morning Air continues, Catholic apologist William Albrecht uh, will be with us to talk about the many Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah, all fulfilled by our Lord Jesus Christ on this day in which we honor the most holy name of Jesus. So stay with us as the final moments of Morning Air continues here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. This is Morning Air with John Morales, Sarah Tafoya, and Glenn Leverance. Your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. On Relevant Radio and Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in on this 
Tuesday morning, the first Tuesday of 2023 here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888 914 888-914-9149. Now, as we've been mentioning here this morning, uh, today is the memorial of the most holy name of Jesus. And many biblical scholars believe that there are more than 300-plus prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament. These prophecies are specific enough that the mathematical probability of Jesus fulfilling even a handful of them, let alone all of them, is staggeringly improbable, if not impossible. If you uh, take only eight prophecies uh, that— the chances that someone could satisfy all of those eight prophecies was just one in 10 to the 17th power. That is a lot, a lot of zeros. It is absolutely staggering. Joining us live is Morning Air contributor and Catholic convert, our resident apologist William Albrecht, with much more on the Old Testament prophecies fulfilled by the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ that we continue to celebrate here uh, during this Christmas season. William is an international speaker and debater and has participated in over 65 live and moderated debates. He also runs a website called patristicpillars.com, dedicated to the early church fathers. Good morning, William. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thanks so much for joining us once again. It's great to be with you here to start off the new year. My brother, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. It is fantastic to be here with you and really just a great, great day to really ponder upon the inerrant scriptures and really, really think about what the scriptures do say about our incarnate Lord. And as you mentioned, um, the incredible prophecies they really are truly amazing. And really, we're also here to remember the life of our incredible shepherd, the great Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, who we truly know has departed into eternal rest with his Lord and Savior, with whom he was dedicated to his whole life. It is uh, just um Amazing. Uh, it's, there's so much to talk about when it comes to Pope Benedict. We have spent most of uh, our program here this morning uh, reflecting on the life and the legacy of Pope Emeritus Benedict the Sixteenth. But when I think of, of this beloved late Holy Father, I think of someone who uh, taught with clarity, uh, someone who was a world-class theologian, maybe one of the greatest of the 20th century, someone that could be a doctor of the church in the future, someone who loved Scripture because he loved our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, his last uh, words on his lip, according to reports, is that he said, Jesus, I love you. So he was Christocentric if there ever was one. That is a great point, and how fitting to the conversation we're having today, brother, because you're correct there. How Christocentric his love of Christ, and how fitting, because we remember those incredible words of Holy Scripture in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 20, where the Lord uh, asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? And incredibly fitting for the final words of this magnificent shepherd's life of affirming what he had affirmed his whole life, as St. As Peter in Scripture did. Well, the vicar of Christ, the successor of St. Peter's final words were an affirmation that, Jesus, I love you, and we truly know that that is beautiful, and we know that he is in eternal rest with our Lord and Savior, and that is just a wonderful thought to have on our minds and in our hearts today. As um, we reflect back on the life of uh, 
Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Uh, what strikes you the most? Uh, what, uh, what, what is your lasting impression of this beloved Holy Father? Brother, you mentioned something magnificent that many people may seem to forget, but what a great leader he was, full of love, full of charity. But for me and my love, dealing with apologetics and theology, I am blown away by the massive amount of work he did in theology, looking for clarity in a charitable and loving manner to try to bridge the gaps between our separated brethren and those that needed to hear the gospel. He never ever bent to the truth. He always never bent the truth. He always rather bent the knee to the truth of Scripture and sacred tradition. And I am just, I am with you on the same page, brother, when I say, when you said, one day he may be a doctor of the Church. I would not be surprised if that happened, and it would be a wonderful thing if it happened in our lifetimes. But we know that he had such a magnificent life and he lived a loyal life to the Church and wrote so many magnificent books that we can visit over and over and receive incredible spiritual nourishment, brother. Without a doubt. Uh, he was at heart a professor, Pope. Uh, he uh, taught so much. There's so much to his teachings, his body of work, uh, his trilogy, Jesus of Nazareth. I'm sure he yeah. covered the prophecies of the Messiah in that uh, trilogy uh, on our Lord Jesus Christ. Um I want to segue uh, and, and briefly talk because time is of the essence. Uh, I'd like to get your, your thoughts on the odds uh, that uh, Jesus fulfilled the hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament. Uh, only one divine person fulfilled every one of them, and that is Jesus the Lord. Brother, that is an incredible point. And to really touch upon that point, I think people tend to forget that even the earliest of Jewish commentaries would note and tell people that the odds of the one person fulfilling all of these were, were odds that really indicated that really only one person could do it. And these are very early Jewish commentaries. We can point to commentaries like the Talmud, but even after that, later in Jewish history, you have Judaism, Jewish rabbis, noting that it could only be one per person to fulfill amazing prophecies like the one of Isaiah 9. And the, one, and the one even before that in Isaiah 7. And really, it is incredible, and it should be mind-blowing. Well, for us Catholics, we realize and we accept, because the early Church Fathers pointed to the fact that the New Testament showed that these prophecies were being fulfilled and were fulfilled in our Lord and Savior. Really, there's only one person, and we want to point this out, John. We want to point out that there's only one historical person that could have and did fulfill these prophecies, and that person was and is the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You mentioned Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Only one yeah. in the history of the world fulfilled all of those uh, prophecies. What a great, great passage of Scripture, and really what an amazing prophecy that is only fulfilled in one person, that in our Lord and Savior. And I think people tend to forget that the Prince of Peace is also called Mighty God here, Wonderful Counselor. And really the, the play on words is just so magnificent, because you find very similar Greek appearing in the Gospel of St. Luke chapter 1. But there's a reason why. 
there really only is one person that could have fulfilled this. And the early church fathers loved to use a little bit of a play on words from when they commented on Isaiah 9. They would say, look, this is a prophecy about Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> that really is incredible, because there really, really is only one Mr. Wonderful, that wonderful God. And we know this is also pointing to the magnificent prophecy that th- this God will be born. And well, we know that in Isaiah 7, he's born of a virgin. So he comes in the flesh, comes into his creation. It just is a beautiful prophecy. And it also talks about an everlasting kingdom. Well, we know that that everlasting kingdom is his church. There is uh, so much to talk about when it comes to the prophecies and so little time. Uh, There were prophecies about the place of the Messiah's birth, uh, uh, his being preceded by a messenger, uh, how he would enter Jerusalem, the fact that he would be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver, uh, that uh, he would be crucified. All of these prophecies in the Old Testament were fulfilled by our Lord Jesus Christ. They all worked, and incredible how you point out the betrayal prophesied. Even the way in which the Messiah would be murdered was prophesied. But John, I think another thing that is so incredible is that the beautiful triumph of the Messiah is also prophesied. We have that prophesied in the book of Wisdom, and even in the book of Isaiah, where it talks about the suffering servant being broken, but but not perishing. And we know that our Messiah, in the sense that he died, but he bodily rose from the dead, and he lives eternally. He has returned to glory to the right hand of the Father. All of these prophecies have been fulfilled in Christ. And that really does point to me, point that Scripture truly is supernatural, brother. And this is uh, something that uh, Pope Emeritus uh, Benedict XVI uh, loves so much. He was a man of Scripture, a man of theology, just a a prolific teacher and writer. Um, The fact that St. Paul writes in Philippians 2.10, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, pretty much uh, sums it all up. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful way to close that out by pointing out that it truly is. All of these prophecies are fulfilled in our Lord and Savior, and we truly see that happening in Scripture. And he truly is uh, the reason for the season why we continue uh, to celebrate the Christmas season. Uh, William, thank you so much for being with us, as always. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Look forward to being back with you, brother. Absolutely. And now it's time for yet another episode of Glenn Story Quarter. As we continue Christmas stories, our story today called Brother Like That. Paul received an automobile from his brother as a Christmas present. On Christmas Eve, when Paul came out of his office, a street urchin was walking around the shiny new car, admiring it. Is this your car, mister? He asked. Paul nodded. My brother gave it to me for Christmas. The boy was astounded. You mean your brother gave it to you and didn't cost you nothing? Boy, I wish... He hesitated. Of course, Paul knew what he was going to wish for. He was going to wish that he had a brother like that. But what the lad said next jarred Paul all the way down to his heels. I wish, the boy went on, that I could be a brother like that. Paul looked at the boy in astonishment, then impulsively added, Would you like to take a ride in my automobile? Oh, yes, I'd love that. After a short ride, the boy turned with eyes aglow and said, Mister, would you mind driving in front of my house? 
And Paul smiled a little. He thought he knew what the lad wanted. He wanted to show his neighbors that he could ride home in a big automobile, but Paul was wrong again. Will you stop where those two steps are, the boy asked. And he ran up the steps. Then in a little while, Paul heard him coming back, but he was not coming fast. He was carrying his little handicapped brother. He sat him down on the bottom step and sort of squeezed up against him and pointed to the car. There she is, buddy, just like I told you upstairs. His brother gave it to him for Christmas. It didn't cost him a cent. Someday I'm going to give you one just like it. Then you can see for yourself all the pretty things in the Christmas windows that I've been trying to tell you about. Paul got out and lifted the lad to the front seat of his car. The shining-eyed older brother climbed in beside him, and the three of them began a memorable holiday ride. That Christmas Eve, Paul learned what Jesus meant when he'd said, it's more blessed to give. Thanks so much, Glenn. Really appreciate it. Let's continue to pray for the repose of the soul of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI by praying the family rosary across America with Father Rocky, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. That'll do it for this Tuesday edition, this first Tuesday of the year edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, producer Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you tomorrow on the next Morning Air. The Patrick Madrid Show is next.